1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. The Packers fall to the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, 31-24, potentially ending their run at a playoff berth with Aaron Rodgers. If the Falcons win tonight, Green Bay's playoff chances are over. And I think the macro version of what we're going to discuss here is less important for the minute. We're going to get to that later. First, we have to talk about the game. Because this was Aaron Rodgers' return. This was supposed to be the the prodigal son's return. It was supposed to be the triumphant return of Aaron Rodgers, the game's best quarterback, the MVP of the league, someone who can can will his team to victory in a way that, that no other player in the league can. And instead, what we got was a three-interception performance from a player who hasn't thrown three interceptions in a game since 2009. And... There's something almost fitting about that because, like in all likelihood, it will also keep the Packers out of the playoffs for the first time since 2008, which was Aaron Rodgers' first year as a starter. 2009, obviously, the Packers made the playoffs, but that was the first year that Aaron Rodgers really played um, what we would come to know as the level that that Aaron Rodgers can play. Ultimately, the numbers in, in terms of what he was able to do, 26 of 45 for 290 yards, three touchdowns, that looks good enough. But it was the three interceptions. There was the turnover on downs where where Rodgers gets sacked. He wasn't himself. There's just no other way to explain it, to put it. There was a play in the second half where Rodgers one-hopped a throw to Geronimo Allison, and and I tweeted it. I said, I, I can't remember ever seeing Rodgers one-hopping a throw, and, and certainly not a, a seven-yard out. I mean, those are throws Rodgers makes in his sleep. And I think part of it is that the arm was not obviously, I mean, we knew he was cleared, okay? He was cleared at the beginning of the week. And then Sunday morning, a story comes out from Ian Rappaport, who has been the most clued in, hooked in reporter the entire time with this Rogers injury. And it was a story about how he's not 100%, how it's not 100% healed. And I thought, you know, this is a weird thing to come out on game day. And in light of what we saw, I hate to be cynical about it, but it makes me wonder if Aaron knew his arm was not 100% if he knew it, and I don't mean 100% healed, but not 100% back to where he wants it to be in terms of the ability to make throws. And he thought, or his agents thought, or his management team thought, let's get out ahead of this a little bit and say, well, he's not healthy. I mean, that, that's that's all I could think of after the fact. I mean, the more I thought about it, it was like, okay, this seems sort of obvious that he thought, Well, maybe I'm being cynical, but he underthrows the corner route to Devontae Adams, who's open. He tries to make more of a play than he can, And, and a play that Aaron Rodgers maybe makes. I mean, we've seen him make throws that no other quarterback in football can make, and he can make them without setting his feet, without being in a position that most quarterbacks would need to make a throw. Rodgers can make a throw. There's the underthrow on the corner route that turns into a pick to Devontae Adams. There's the underthrow on the seam route to Randall Cobb, who, if, if it's a better throw, might score. And ditto for the underthrow to Jordy Nelson, who has got his man beat deep. And if Rodgers doesn't underthrow it, it might be a touchdown. But he underthrows it. I mean, he he had a season's worth of underthrows for him. He does not underthrow passes. He has some of the best arm strength in the league. He can drive throws that no one else can make. And so to see him play this way in this game, if you're a Packers fan, you just have to think, this just wasn't our season. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. And and you don't have to be, you don't have to believe in fate or superstition or any of those things to just say, you know what, this just was not the year for us. You have, you know, the Packers recover the onside kick late in the game. They have a chance to march down the field, tie the game. I suggested on Twitter that they should go for two if they score. And then Geronimo Allison obviously makes the catch, has the first down, fumbles the ball, and the game's over. They had a chance to win this game. But it was the turnovers that ultimately cost them that opportunity. The Packers turn the ball over four times. The Panthers turn the ball over zero times. Total yards, pretty close. Third downs, pretty close. Red zone opportunities, pretty close. The difference was the turnovers, and yet the Packers still had a chance late in the game to win. And that is a credit to Aaron Rodgers. For as much as he put them in bad positions, he also made sure that they were in a position to win late. He he created plays when there were none, the touchdown to Randall Cobb in the first half, that was a play that that he created out of thin air, shook off a sack, got the ball to Randall Cobb, who obviously made a great play and turned that into a touchdown. He, he seemed comfortable at the line of scrimmage, making those calls, all those calls. I mean, you expect him to be able to do those things, but he didn't look like he was struggling in the pocket. He looked a little, I don't want to say he looked slower, but he didn't look quite as aggressive getting to the edge, breaking the pocket as he might otherwise look and maybe that's because he's not quite as in in as good a shape maybe it's because he he's a little nervous about breaking the pocket but that didn't seem to be the case he seemed to be playing freely he seemed to be playing the game that he's used to playing and it just wasn't enough for Green Bay on Sunday and and part of that is because the defense didn't play well enough and obviously we're going to get to that but the big story from this game was Aaron Rodgers. We waited we waited two months for Rodgers to come back, and what we got was not fully healthy Aaron Rodgers. And that's just, that's a bummer. I mean, this was a team that, that had an opportunity. They were 4-1 going into that Vikings game that Rodgers goes down. If they win that game in Minnesota, I mean, who knows what the situation is. And obviously, you know a lot of things happen after that injuries happen and and maybe things don't quite happen the same way. We don't know, but given the way that this team was constituted there was it was a tall task to try and sneak into the playoffs. I mean, you lose your starting your starting corner, Kevin King goes on i r you lose your other corner Devon house, and I said this was this was the week to lose your corners. And that's that's true in some ways. Damaris Randall did his best and locked down Devin Funchess. It was everyone else on defense that couldn't do their job. Clay Matthews had a terrible game. The safeties played horribly in this game. Dom Capers, we're going to get to Dom Capers. I can't do it anymore with this defense. I told you guys last week. I just can't. I can't do it anymore. It's garbage can't do it. Before we move on, I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway. If you put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes, you'll be entered to win our Pro Football Focus Edge subscription. That's a $39.99 value and will get you access to player grades, tools, charts, all sorts of data, sortable data at different positions, quarterback data, running back data, receiver data, all the different position data they have at least based on on the way that they chart it. And it could all be yours, and all you have to do is enter your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes to enter.
0: David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer
1: As I said earlier, the the total yard numbers don't jump off the table at you. They really don't. I mean, Cam Newton, 21 of 31 for 242. That wouldn't be that bad. 7.8 yards per attempt. That's not great. But he threw four touchdowns. And he didn't throw a pick. And he added 58 yards on the ground. And so now you start to look at it and you go, oh, okay, well, 300 total yards, four total touchdowns. Yeah, he played really well. And he missed some throws. And Green Bay had some chances. Blake Martinez dropped an interception. It would have been a great play, but he was in position to make a pick, and he couldn't. That would have been an enormous play. Greg Olson, 9 catches, 116 yards, and a touchdown on 12 targets. Green Bay had no answers for Greg Olson, especially in the second half. I said I thought I'd see Josh Jones and Morgan Burnett covering him in man coverage. No. Zone, soft zone, combo coverage. Dom Capers special. Just, just ridiculous. Christian McCaffrey, 18 touches, 136 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. Packers couldn't cover him. Put Josh Jones out there on him, couldn't cover him. Morgan Burnett out there on him, couldn't cover him. Eventually it started putting corners on him and that started to work. And then when, when the Packers started saying, okay, we're going to put Josh Hawkins or Demarius Randall or, or whoever out there in terms of corners on Christian McCaffrey, then all of a sudden they couldn't cover Greg Olson in the middle of the field. It was like playing whack-a-mole. They, they plugged one, one hole and, th- and then there's four more that pop up. And you're just going, how do we, how do we get beyond that? How do we do better than that? And, and Clay Matthews, I mean, he was, he was god-awful in this game. There was a play early in the first half on that first drive. He sniffs out the, the the McCaffrey swing pass. He's in the passing lane and then totally loses track of where Christian McCaffrey is. Cam Newton makes a, a wonderful throw to the sidelines that turns into a 20-yard game. There were two other occasions I can I can think of just off the top of my head when Clay Matthews slips when he was in a position to make a play and couldn't. There was a third and eight run where Cam Newton breaks the pocket and, and Clay Matthews falls down and is not able to make the play. Cam Newton turns into a first down. I mean, this was this was the game that revealed the Green Bay defense as lacking playmakers. They do not have a go-to playmaker. Kenny Clark, very good player. He had a sack in this game. He had another TFL. Ahmad Brooks had a pressure in this game that. That would have been great if if Josh Jones had covered someone, but it turned into a touchdown. I mean, Green Bay had two quarterback hits in this game against an offensive line that isn't very good and was down a starter. I mean, Matt Khalil is terrible. One of the worst starting offensive linemen in the game. And Green Bay couldn't do anything against him. They need, like Nick Perry gets hurt in this game. Vince Beagle has to come in and, and play more snaps. This was an embarrassment for the defense. Now, of, of the four turnovers, if you include the, the three interceptions and the turnover on downs, obviously the, the late fumble doesn't turn into a, a possession where the Panthers are trying to do anything. If you just look at the turnovers that result in, in Carolina possessions where they are attempting to move the ball, on two of the interceptions, the Packers force a punt, and on the three and out, or on, on the fourth down conversion, that the Packers can't get, they force a punt on that. So, of, of the turnovers that had a practical effect on the game, Green Bay forced punts on three of those four. Now, there was the the other interception that turned into a touchdown, and that ends up being the margin of victory in this game. But if you just if you just looked at non extra possessions, so obviously there there's four of those extra possessions until the end. You take those away, Carolina scores five times. So th- those punts. Okay, that's great. Carolina has 11 possessions. There's two of them that that end the half. One ends the half, one ends the game. So that's nine total. They scored on five of them. So one of the extra possessions turn in, turns into a touchdown. That's the margin of victory in this game. And I think if Aaron Rodgers is 100% healthy, he, he clearly does not throw three interceptions. But the Packers defense just didn't play well enough. They didn't get it. They needed a turnover. They couldn't get it. I mean, the Packers are down 14, they score, and the only reason they got the ball again is because they got a miracle-on sidekick that Christian McCaffrey, oddly enough, misplays. The one bright spot on defense was that Devin Funches had one catch for 19 yards. He goes out briefly with an injury. Demarius Randall locked him down. Locked him down. Packers had no answers outside of that. They played more soft garbage zone. Against, a, particularly against Greg Olson, let him run free in the secondary, despite the fact that they have two safeties in Jones and Burnett that that should be able to give him a, a issues in coverage? Nope, didn't do it. I just I don't know what else to say about this defense. If there's a silver lining of the fact that the Packers season is probably over, my hope would be that this is enough to inspire changes defensively. I said it. Even though the Packers won last week, I was adamant. This defense cannot continue. And they are talented enough. They do need an extra pass rusher on the edge. There's no question. They can't rely on Nick Perry consistently. And Clay Matthews just isn't a down-to-down threat anymore. So they need to get help there. But I blame so much of the secondary woes, especially against running backs and tight ends, when the Packers have quality safeties to make adjustments and, and defensive systemic changes to be able to defend these type of players. I blame that on the coach. This is a system issue. It's a scheme issue. Guys are not in a position to help the team. Now, ha Clinton Dix, I can't explain it. I can't explain the regression this year. I can't explain the tentativeness. I can't explain the inability to play the ball in the air. I mean, the touchdown that should have been overturned, That was that was called correctly on the field and shouldn't have been overturned, the Packers are in position to make that play. The Packers are in position to to have a pick. Haha, Clinton Dix. I mean, Troy Aikman called it out on the broadcast. Haha, Clinton Dix. That, that should be a pick for him. That should be an interception. Packers should have the ball. And they couldn't make the play. They couldn't make the play. And they haven't been in position enough, often enough, this season to make those plays. And it's just sad. It's sad. It really is. And I don't know what else to say at this point. What else do you say about this defense that is constantly in the wrong positions, that constantly blows coverages. That constantly is covering no one because that's the way the scheme is set up. I mean, I just I can't do it anymore, guys. I can't. I can't do it anymore at Dom Capers. And I struggle calling for someone's job. I, it's not something I feel comfortable doing. But if if Mike McCarthy is not at least willing to think about making a change, then I don't. I don't know what. It, I don't know what he's doing. It ultimately has to fall on McCarthy, because this is his coaching staff. He has to be willing to say. This isn't good enough. And if he's not willing to hold Dom Capers to a standard, then how can he hold his players to a standard? Because the the stats speak for themselves. The production speaks for itself. The tape speaks for itself. Dom Capers is not getting the job done. Period. Full stop. End of story. Now that the Packers season looks to be pretty close to over, make sure to keep an eye on Locked On Bucks. That season is going to last until... At the very least, into the spring and hopefully into the summer if they're if they're in the playoffs, so plenty of time to get adjusted to basketball season, to get caught up on everything that's going on with Bucks basketball. Check out Locked On Bucks for the latest with Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe has been outstanding for this team. That trio has been one of the highest scoring trios in the league over the over the last month since Eric Bledsoe has been on the team, and so there's reason to be excited about them. Stay locked on Bucks the same way you would stay locked on Packers. This episode is brought to you by Shell.
2: The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com one. That's p-h-i-l-i-p-s dot com slash o-n-e.
1: It's sad to see, but... I really think it's time to just accept Jordy Nelson is not a high-level NFL receiver. And I know that there's screen grabs of, you know, he gets open against Detroit. He was open against Detroit on that play Brett Hundley missed because the Lions busted the coverage, not because he is still a great receiver. We saw against Carolina, who does not have a great secondary, that without Devontae Adams, this team struggled to get open, Aaron Rodgers resorted to getting to Richard Rodgers, who is not a great tight end, because that was what Carolina was giving them. Devontae Adams finishes with five catches, fifty-seven yards, and a touchdown, but he leaves with a concussion that I was pretty upset about on Twitter, and I think most people will agree, including Thomas Davis. By the way, he was pretty upset that that he had hurt Devontae. It's a garbage play. It's a blindside block that was a penalty, so that's that is problem number one. And number two, there's no hands, there's no there's no attempt at a block. It is a launch with a head into another player's head. That's it's just there's there's no other word for it but trash. It's trash. It's a trash play. It's dangerous. It's reckless. It's careless. I don't care if he meant to hurt Devontae Adams. He didn't care if he did. Same with Danny Trevathan. And I don't know why this is happening again with Devontae Adams. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Because the penalty for these hits are not severe enough. There is plenty in the NFL game that is dangerous, that is going to be difficult to legislate out. But these kinds of hits, this was a penalty. This was already an illegal hit. It was reckless, it was careless, it was dangerous, and you're talking about a guy's brain health, okay? These kinds of hits cannot be tolerated, and a 15-yard penalty is not enough because now the Packers' best receiver is out of the game, potentially can't play next week, and all it costs your team is 15 yards. There is a fundamental problem with the fairness of that equation. Thomas Davis should have been ejected and he should be suspended next week. At the very least, he should be suspended. And don't take my word for it. Aaron Rodgers agrees. There's only so much the league can do to legislate these kinds of hits out of the game because sometimes they're just going to happen. And there are. I'm freely going to admit, as someone who played football growing up, plenty of times, there's only so much you can do When it comes to making a hit on someone because you don't know where they're going to put their head. These are bang-bang plays at times and you're going 100 miles an hour. This is not one of those plays. This is not one of those borderline plays. Defenseless player who can't see the hit coming. There's a reason this is an, an illegal play. And he launched his head at the head of another player. There is no excuse for this. Players have to start taking care of other players. The NFL can only do so much. Now, they need to do more. There's no question. They need to do more. But they can only do so much. The players have to start taking care of their fellow players by saying, I am not going to launch myself at his head just to make a block on an interception return. These are avoidable, dangerous hits. And, and the difference between him wanting to hurt Devontae Adams and him not caring if he does doesn't matter to me. Not when it comes to whether or not he should be suspended. He should be suspended. Period. If you want to change behavior, you have to make the punishment for that behavior serious enough that it deters that behavior. We're not talking about, this is this is not the same as, oh, well, criminal justice, in the criminal justice system, that doesn't really work. And you know, there's no evidence the death penalty stops anyone from... This is not that, okay? This is the NFL. And we've seen players adjust their hitting zones to not get penalties, and it's made the game safer. There aren't those across-the-middle blow-up plays that like there used to be. Guys aren't trying to lay other guys out like they used to. That has made the game safer, objectively so. Now, it doesn't mean that, that the rates of CTE are going to be lower or the rates of head injuries are going to be lower necessarily because we know, scientifically speaking, that the subconcussive hits are a bigger problem, the little hits, but that doesn't mean that these big hits aren't. We have to find ways to get these hits out of the game, and that means kicking the players out who commit these hits. The college game has it right. If you commit these kinds of hits, you should be ejected. And and I like that they're reviewable, so you can take a targeting call back. But these are professionals. Don't tell me they can't change their aiming point. They can. This was an unnecessary, reckless, careless hit at, at best. That is best case scenario. At worst, he was trying to light up Devontae Adams, didn't care if he hurt him, didn't care if he hit him in the head, and it resulted in a brain injury for another player. That's how we have to think of—concussion is a fancy word for brain injury. Maybe if we said brain injury, players would start to get the message that these kinds of hits are unacceptable. I hate that we have to spend this much time on this, but the reality is this is the second time with Devontae Adams, and it cost the Packers potentially the game because with the game on the line, Aaron Rodgers is having to throw to Geronimo Allison, not Devontae Adams— and Allison fumbles the ball on a play that maybe Devontae Adams doesn't. It potentially cost the Packers a win. Potentially cost them a playoff chance. It is it is just beyond critical. And this is not just a, a micro problem. This is a macro problem. The NFL has to take a stronger stance on these kinds of hits. We don't know what Devontae Adams' status is going to be moving forward. What we do know is Jordy Nelson, even with Aaron Rodgers, did not look like even an above-average receiver. Couldn't be counted on to get open. Randall Cobb, I mean, seven catches on 14 targets for 84 yards. He had the one great play, but a lot of Rodgers trying to just do something and throw the ball to Cobb. He's not really open. Cobb tried a couple one-handed catches that he didn't seem to need to try to make. There were some Packer fans that were upset with with the play calling because the, the, the Packers ended up only throwing... Are only running the ball 19 times despite the fact that they're averaging over six yards a carry. Aaron Jones had only three carries despite you know picking up forty-seven yards on those three carries. Jamal Williams, on the other hand, has 10 carries for 30 yards. I don't I'm not worried about the disparity because this was a game that Aaron Rodgers needed to go win. And particularly Jamal Williams was not effective as a runner. You now, maybe that is a case where you say okay well if Aaron Jones is the running back maybe they're able to make some more plays and and I, I I was very clear about it on Twitter. I wish I had made it a bigger deal on the 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 podcast during the course of the week. Jamal Williams is a solid physical back with good vision, tremendous toughness and great pass blocking ability. He does not have the juice Aaron Jones has. Aaron Jones as a runner is a more effective Back with the ball in his hands, I'd much rather have Jones than Williams. And so that's something that they're going to have to figure out through the end of the year. That's something they're going to have to figure out going into next year because Ty Montgomery is going to be back and so are these rookie backs and they're going to find need to find a way to get them all involved. It seems pretty clear to me that when Aaron Jones is healthy, he's the best back. So we'll see how that plays itself out. If the Falcons win on Monday, the Packers season's over. And no, Aaron Rodgers should not play against the, the Minnesota Vikings, if that's the case. Brett Hundley should. And that doesn't mean that that Rodgers is going to sit. That just means that that's what I would do. I thought the, the Packers needed to give Aaron Rodgers every chance to get them into the playoffs. They did. And it looks like it's not going to be enough. Yes, that's a bummer, but that's the reality. There's no reason to risk further injury, and there is a risk with the collarbone still. If he falls on just the wrong way, those the plate at the edge does make it. There's there's a potential for re-injury there. That's where the biggest risk is. Although theoretically, if he is in that 80 to 85 percent healed range, there isn't a greater risk than there would have been. Doesn't mean there's no risk, just not necessarily a greater risk. And if they don't make the playoffs, it'll be the first time in the Aaron Rodgers era since 2008, and and that will prevent them from getting in on the Patriots this season, who will make the playoffs, and they're, they're both in position to set a record for most consecutive playoff seasons. It looks like that is not to be. And a, and a stupid rule helped the Patriots win on Sunday, a rule that, that seems very inconsistently applied. The Packers' Geronimo Allison makes a catch two feet, doesn't, doesn't do anything else, but loses the ball, and it's an incomplete. Jesse James makes a catch two knees go down, He turns, reaches for the pylon, the ball moves a fraction, then it's incomplete, and the Steelers lose. It's dumb. But that's the NFL. That's where we are. I appreciate you listening this season. I hope you continue to listen through the end of the season and into the offseason. We're going to continue to have content every week. This is going to continue to be a daily show. And so I hope you continue on this ride. I've had a great time this season despite the fact that it's not going to end the way that we hoped and, and thought potentially that it would. I thought this was a Super Bowl team coming into the year. I stand by that. But injuries robbed them of that opportunity. And now all the Packer fans really have is hoping the Vikings don't go win it. So that's where we are. It's a tough place to be in. But I hope that that you'll continue to listen. I hope that you'll continue to be a part of this journey. And I hope that you will continue to stay locked on packed.